0: Brother <coughs> God singing God Leads Us Along. That's my favorite song in our hymn, and I appreciate that song that Brother Nate has sung, Amen. Because several years I was seeking things that couldn't satisfy. Amen. And Jesus ran me down. Amen. Put me in a Sunday school class where the word of God was taught sharp. Every Sunday. And I'm getting to grow. And here I am. So man, this, this is. I'm real uncomfortable doing this. I mean I can teach Sunday school. but When you have to get all your own material. And pray about it. And it's, it's new. So they go no out onto this. It's just thoughts about prayer. And the main thought is cooling off. On prayer tonight. Now. Now. If you'll open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 78, we'll begin reading there in just a little bit. Psalm 78. But cooling off on prayer. <clears throat> you ever been embarrassed because you don't pray like you once did? Amen. You once had a good, rich, rewarding prayer life, but for some reason you just can't explain, it just cool off. Something changed. Now you just don't pray much anymore if you pray at all. I know where you're coming from. Almost every Christian has experienced the same thing. I know I have on oh, more than one occasion. When I look back over the years at my spiritual life, 53 years old, I can see certain periods of time when I prayed eagerly and often. I couldn't wait to get to the prayer clock. I was happy. I saw God's blessings in my life. Supernatural things happened in my life. Supernatural things happened to people I prayed for. And so, supernatural things happened in our church. And then, for who knows what reason, my prayer life began to just cool off. It just cooled off. This would last for weeks or months, and then suddenly God's power would flood back into my life, just like it had before. Once again, I would love coming into God's presence, and then later, the cooling off would begin again. So, what causes these ups and downs in our prayer life? You ever thought about that? Why do we lose interest in prayer? Why do we just sort of Slip away from God. Why do we just completely stop praying? And so one reason is, like I said, these are random thoughts now. One reason is we are just too comfortable. As we say, life happens. You know, it's human nature. When we are in the middle of a storm and it's raining and it's blowing sideways and the wind's blowing and the waves are crashing over the deck, everybody on board is praying for it. When the doctor looks at you and says, I'm sorry, but it just doesn't look good, prayer comes natural. It's just like second nature. And then the storm passes, the sun comes out, and there's a great calm. God proves himself faithful once again. Then a big part of motivation for prayer begins to fade. And we begin to cool off on our prayer life once again. The word motivation, I looked it up, means that which incites to action, that which determines the choice or moves the will. When the motivation to pray ends, we start to focus on other things. Well, God took care of that. Now we'll just take care of these other things. and it just kind of cool? You see, we forget God. This affects the heart of God. God is not beyond feeling being used by his kids. It's like college kids that call home only when the money begins to roll, and run low. After that, you never hear from them again. We see this running through the Old Testament. God's people, God blesses his children, and they forget him. He blesses them again and they forget him again. They get into big trouble and they go to God and God brings an 11th hour rescue. But they forget him once again. Now look at Psalm chapter 78. <clears throat> Verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from the children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. And forget his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt. In the field of Zon. Chapter 30, uh, verse 32. And these verses preceding, it tells about what all God did for them in the land of Egypt. And verse 32 says, For all this they sinned, still, and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away, and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away, and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness, and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God, and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How he had wrought... His signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of zone 50 chapter verse fifty-four. And he brought them to the border of his sanctuary, even to this mountain, which his right hand had purchased. He cast out the heathen also before them, and divided them an inheritance by line, and made their tribe, the tribes of Israel, to dwell in their tents. Yea, they tempted and provoked the Most High God, and kept not his testimonies, but turned back and dwelt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. You get the picture. God delivers Israel. They're on fire for God and then it cools off. Just like this. Just like this. Let me read you something I read in a book. Several years ago. In reading the Old Testament prophets, one message shines through. God passionately desires his people. Above all else, the prophets repeat the constant note of the Old Testament, that we matter to God. The main message expressed by the prophets is this. God loves human beings. Of all the ancient gods, Israel's God alone stooped to admit his love for the flawed, two-legged creatures who roamed this planet. Look it up. Look it up. We don't want to forget God. None of us do. If you're a child of God, you don't forget God. We want our prayer life to be consistent. So how can we stay mindful of God's goodness? How can we keep from forgetting God? How can we remember to pray? We remember to pray the same way we remember anything else that matters to us. <coughs> By making prayer a daily part of our life. Prayer needs to be a part of the rhythm of our lives. <clears throat> For me, I get up usually right around five. You know, when I, when I retire, I say, I'm gonna get up at five o'clock anymore. I'm gonna sleep till seven or eight o'clock every morning. I slept at seven o'clock one morning. <laughs> I mean, if, it, if I don't go to bed at eleven o'clock, my eyes pop open at 5 a.m. My wife says, I don't see how you do it. I said, it's easy. You throw your left leg out and your right leg follows it. She said, I throw my left leg out and my right leg just stays there. <laughs> but I like getting up early. I'm a morning person. That's my time with God. I also, I like to walk and uh, that's a good time for me to pray. Whatever's on my mind, talk to God about it. And, and uh, I had a real good session this past week with God, and, and God showed me some things that I'd never seen before in the Word of God. And that's another lesson altogether. But we don't want to forget God. We need to make prayer a habit. Not just a habit, but a joy. Do you enjoy praying? I remember when I first started praying, I thought, oh, where are you? I don't see you anywhere. And I read this devotional by a guy named Oswald Chambers. He wrote it back in the 1800s. He said, visualize God. Some people would set an empty chair there. He visualized God in the chair. Well, I can't do that, so I just, I just visualize God. I just talk to him. Amen. Uh, you may think I'm nuts, but I guess I am. But uh, sometimes I like to... Come to God and, and visualize a couple of angels coming down and getting me under the arm and taking me to heaven and setting me down in front of the throne of grace. You know, it's an honor to talk to God. Yes, it is. yes it is. It's special. So we remember to pray by making God special, by making it a matter, a daily part of our lives. What's your life consist of? You ever thought about it? I get up in the morning... I have my devotions, I go down to Jackson, I have breakfast with about six different men and we solve all the world's problems. you know me, <laughs> you know, we, we, we have a problem solving the problems in this country. We can tell Mr. Biden and, and the Senate and the Congress, we can tell them exactly what needs to be done, but the problem is they never call us. I'm sure they know about it, but, but they never call us. And uh, so we, you know, we don't call the White House because they wouldn't let it through anyway. I mean, a bunch of rednecks and Jacks, who'd listen to them? But I know somebody that does know how to stop the world. Yeah. I read years ago it said the church as a little group, if they would band together and pray, they could change the world. They could change the world. You know, one of my heroes is Brother Larry Sexton. And several years ago, Brother Tony and and I spent two weeks on a little island out in the middle of the bay with him and Sister Judy. And we had the time of our lives. You know, I got sick, and so I couldn't go anywhere with them. And so Mrs. Judy babysitted me for three days. And they just told me their whole life. And it was wonderful. And every night, right before dark, we had a big pan of popcorn and warm grape soda and studied the Word of God. Amen. And it was just wonderful. And then a few years later, I went to Honduras with Brother Sexton, and I had the privilege of staying 16 days with him and listening to him teach Brother machine And teach me, and I remember we got in a, a, a dugout canoe called a Cayuke and we went up the patuca River, and we went way up there. And we got out on the bank, and Brother Sexton smiled and said, Brother Cover, you're totally cut off from the rest of the world. How do you feel? <laughs> what are you going to say? We we'll get back in the canoe and go back. But no, we didn't. And uh, it was an experience. Carrying water about a half a mile from, from the creek to the house to it right through a purifier. And the first day I carried it, I had to stop five times to rest. And by the end of the week, I could make it all the way back without stopping it. But it was special, very special. Uh, I got a minute or two here, brother. We, brother Sexton, had a bout with hump, a bout with malaria, and we were visiting one day, and we visited this family, and the mother was had malaria, and she was so sick. We went in the room to talk to her, and they had to raise her up and give her a cup of water. She couldn't raise herself up off the of bed, and we had malaria medications that we had brought with us. and... Brother Larry said, I'm going to give mine to her because she might die. I said, well, I'll give mine to her too. So we did. And a few days later, we were leaving early that morning, and her and her husband walked a long way down to the house right at daylight to tell us bye and tell us things. That's, I, I never thought she lived, but she did. It was an experience. And so I thank God for, for you folks. Praise the Lord for people. Like Brother Don said, are real missionaries. Real missionaries. Now, I have lost my place. No, I know where it's at. Excuse me. We need to choose a time when we're less likely to be disturbed for our prayer. You know, most people are not going to bother you at 5 o'clock in the morning. So it's a good time for me. It should be a time when we can tune the world out and tune God in. It should be a special time. It should be a time we keep. Be sure you keep it. Establish a place in a time to meet God. Now, for some, the problem might be just like it was with me years ago, plain old fashioned sin. I was saved uh, for a year half or so. You know, I come to church every Sunday, just on Sunday morning, uh, go back home, throw the Bible up on the shelf, never pick it up the rest of the week, never pray, never told me about God. That's embarrassing to tell people about Jesus, you know. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. And some people might not like you. Imagine that. But, you uh, know, that's the way I felt. And for a couple of years, I got playing big time softball, and I was looking at other things, and we were in we practiced three days a week, we played on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, and we played tournaments all weekend. And, that, and so I just got out of church. And uh, God never let me alone. Never let me alone. And he ran me down one morning at 2 a.m. in the railroad. It's a railroad. And uh, I was on my knees in the middle of an access road praying. I don't know why and how I kept getting run over by a car inspector's truck. but. But I got right with God, and I couldn't wait to get to this church. And you know what? They were having revival that week, and a Brother Josh Harjo, remember you remember him, in Milford, an Indian guy from from Oklahoma, was preaching. Brother Josh liked to get happy, and uh, I just couldn't wait for him to be quiet so I could get down that aisle and get <laughs> and get right with God again, right in front of everybody. And I, you know, I thought, well, you know, they'll laugh at me or They did They didn't laugh at me. They were glad. They were happy. I came. They welcomed me with open arms. And when they first came up with this tip, Tony Baptist church, a church with a heart, that's wonderful. I've been to churches that don't have any heart. My wife and my see, children and I used to go to church on vacation, and we visited a church, I'm not going to tell you where it's at, one time. And, and uh, you know, I, we were singing, and we were the loudest ones in there singing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the preacher got to preach, and I said, Amen! And the lady turned around and looked Jesus. Jesus I don't think they do that here <laughs> <laughs> so I never even go back never went back but you can say amen here oh, you can shout God. praise Thank the God. Lord you can shout hallelujah here you, Jesus. we'll Jesus. shout right along with you, Thank you Jesus. listen now I'm getting sidetracked here so just bear with me mm-hmm. uh, for some it's the problem as I said it's old fashioned sin it just don't feel like praying anymore I've been there could be suffering from guilt or shame. I've been there too. Something is standing between them and God. You know what you need to do? You need to go to God, confess it, get it right with it. You know why? Our sin breaks God's heart. It feels like betrayal. If we don't live in submission to God, we lose that sense of warmth, and that sense of closeness to it. It's like a couple. They have a fight. One turns this way, one turns that way, waiting for the other one to give in. My wife and I made a pact, before we were married, we would never go to bed angry. Well, I broke that about the first month we were married. But, you know, we try to practice that, but Something's come between you. Somebody has to take the first step. Usually it's me. But somebody has to take the first step. I know I got mad at her one time in Daytona Beach and walked five miles down the street. And about mile number three, I got tickled because what I got mad at was stupid. Y'all get mad at big things. They take care of this. It's the little things. And it's usually the little things that come between us and God. The Bible says the little foxes that spoil the vines. You know, we put up a sin barrier between us and God that will have to come down before we can enjoy a loving relationship with him again. I hadn't done that. I kept it up there. I, I had every excuse in the world for not getting right with God. <coughs> Well, I was too busy. I was playing ball. I was playing ball on weekend. I didn't have time to go to church. Or my wife would say, we need to start back to church. I said, yeah, we'll do that one of these days. And we did. But you know what? It's a funny thing about Tip Tony Baptist Church. They don't forget you. No. Nope. They don't forget you at all. If we had a steady stream of gentlemen and ladies that would come by our house and visit us. That man right there especially. <laughs> you know why? I never got mad at them for coming to see me. I remember going in the bedroom. Uh, I tell Jane, I said, tell them I'm asleep. She said, I'm not going to lie to church people. i go get in the bed. I said, well, tell them I'm in the bed. i get in bed and cover up so she wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> but one afternoon, they called me but that's another story. The sin barrier needs to come down. Not worth it. You know, the amazing thing is that God himself wants to pull it down. He wants to pull it down for you. He wants to take down the barriers that come between us and him. The Bible tells us that God, the God we serve and we have sinned against, holds out his arms and says, come back. You don't want to live this kind of life, do you? Admit your sin. Tell me you fouled up. Admit you're on the wrong track. Agree with me. Agree with me. Come back, and we'll walk together again. In Isaiah, chapter number one, verse 18, listen to this. Come now and let us reason together. This is God talking. saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That's a wonderful, two wonderful verses right there. You see, the good news is that you can come back into fellowship with God. And you can do it right now, right here in this service. You can say a prayer of repentance like this. God, I'm sorry for blank, whatever it is. Please forgive me. I want to turn from this and I want to come back into fellowship. And renew my relationship with you. And you know what? When you pray that way, God will restore you. He restored me. You'll be back in fellowship with him again. You know what I did? I just get up in the afternoon. I work nights. And I get up in the afternoon. And I get my Bible. I go to my garage. And I spend one hour in my Bible. And I just praying. And I said, what happened to me? he said you didn't read the Bible you didn't study it you never prayed and you never told anybody about me, and you weren't faithful in church and so I made a plan I made a plaque whatever it is there deal with God and I was going to do those things and I tried to do those things you know what it works So when you, when, maybe you prayed something for something that didn't happen. Anybody ever pray for, get a prayer that wasn't an answered? Just me and this later other oh Wow. <clears throat> I think everybody's prayed a prayer that God didn't answer. Yes, or we didn't need an answer <clears throat> excuse me, the way we thought he would. Does that mean prayer doesn't work? Does it? Is prayer just a waste of time? The devil will tell you this. is. He'll tell you it doesn't work. You ever notice when you try to pray that your mind gets flooded with everything in the world? You ever notice during the invitation people start getting nervous, antsy? Cell phones begin to ring. You ever wonder why? People know you go to church. Wonder why they call you an invitation. I know. I know who's ringing your number. Listen, how hey, you pray for something that didn't happen? Does that mean God doesn't care? All I can tell you is that some things will never be clear until we get to heaven. But you know what? Paul said, "We walk by faith and not by sight." In 2 Corinthians five seven i tell you what Jesus told his disciples when they got discouraged. In in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Pray when you don't want to. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray when you're sick. Pray when you're well. Pray when you're happy. Pray when you're sad. Pray when things fall apart. Pray, pray, pray. And trust God. You see, don't lose heart. Keep on praying. God does listen. He hears every prayer we pray. And he cares deeply about what concerns you and me. The the song this morning, His Eyes on the Sparrow. And I know he watches me. And I was thinking about that. Uh, (laughs) We was on the swing this afternoon and with my great granddaughter, and, and she's my buddy. And I said, "Blair, you love me?" She said, "Yeah, Papa, I love you." I said, "Why?" She said, "Cause you got a big belly and you got a balls on ball your head." <laughs> <laughs> the Bible also says that the hairs on our head are numbered. Amen. I got a lot less than I used to have. If God cares enough to put a number on my hair. I read a story one time about a little boy who had a hair in his hand and his dad said, What are you doing? I'm trying to see what number it is. (laughs) That's a God that cares. That's a God that's concerned. God passionately desires and loves his people. Now it's true that he doesn't answer every prayer the way we wish he would. I made a lot of prayers. I wish God would answer it a certain way, but he didn't. But when the answer came, it was better than the one I asked him, than what I thought it would be. And I've got some, he still has an answer. Uh, you know, this is kind of sound crude, but somebody texted me one time, said, said, I wish God would just come back today, don't you? I said, no. No, I have relatives that are lost. That I witnessed to Came back today, they to go to heaven. I don't mean I don't want to go to heaven. I do. I've already got my ticket punched. But I want to see people saved. I want to take some people with me. Especially my relatives. You know, God loves our company. <laughs> I read this thing one time, Sister. Let me read it. I'll probably mess it up. <laughs> hospitality is making your guests feel at home when you wish to work. <laughs> 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 it's not me. I just read it down. <laughs> I just wrote it down. And, uh, anyway, God's heart is for you and me. His heart beats for us day and night. Amen. You know, He is eager to do whatever He can for us. In the book of Revelation how important is prayer? In the book of Revelation chapter number 5 and verse 6 the Bible says "And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven heads and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth and He came and took the book out of the right hand of Him that sat on the throne and when he had taken the book, the full beast and the, 20, 20, and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. God keeps our prayers forever in heaven. Think about that. Every prayer you prayed, God's got a record of. He's got a record of it. You know what? Anybody ever here ever get a love letter? I did. You couple. You know how many times I read spoke about the Old Testament this morning. You're not going to understand the New Testament if you don't understand the Old Testament. The Old Testament tells us how we came here, why we're here. The Old Testament explains the New Testament. The Old Testament explains why Jesus came and what He came to do. And I'm like Brother Larry know. I used to, my eyes used to cross when i read Leviticus. And all those genealogies, man, this fellow married that lady, that lady married this fellow. But it's in the Word of God, so it's important. It's important. God put it there for a reason. So, prayer, <clears throat> you know, I think it's ironic that most of the time we think prayer a prayer, think of prayer as us talking to God. And that is prayer. But you ever stop to think that God might want to say something to us? You see, it's as if God says, if we really enjoy a relationship, why do you do all the talking? Let me get a word in here somewhere. Taught me something years ago. He said, Well, oh, he goes to work early in the morning after he prays and reads his Bible, he turns the light out, and sits in the dark, and meditates. I started trying to do that. You know what? It works. It works. But you you do your thing, I'll do mine. Whatever, whatever works for you, whatever floats your boat, that's fine. Prayer isn't supposed to be a one way conversation. A conversation involves two speakers. Two people. Uh, I wouldn't stay married very long if if I did all the talking. Now I do most of it, but my wife gets the word in quite a bit. And uh, I've been accused of not listening. I don't have an excuse for that anymore because I'm not (laughs) hearing And you know, when you've been used to turning people off for years, it's hard to start listening again. Well, look, God speaks to us in different ways. He speaks through His Word. You ever been reading a a Scripture and it just jumps off the page at you just when you need it? That's the Holy Spirit. The Scripture hasn't changed. It's been the same all this time. But He gives it to you when you need it the most, when He'll help you. God speaks to us through people, through kind acts when they're needed. When my father died, I was at the funeral home very early And a friend of mine at work came down there and sat with me for two hours. (coughs) That was an encouragement. That was special. I've never forgotten that. You see, it makes no sense to think that God lost His voice at the end of the first century. He still speaks. He still speaks to believers today. Christianity is a relationship. It's a relationship. You can't build a relationship on one-way speeches. You and God need to be able to speak to each other. I'll read you something else here, and I'm going to close. Being a Christian and living a Christian life is not about keeping rules and requirements. It's about maintaining a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about being in love with Jesus Christ. To know how to speak to God is more important than knowing how to speak to man. And then I read this little one just this afternoon. God shapes the world through prayer. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. That's the most important thing that you'll ever do in this life. Is pray. If we as a church, if we would band together and pray and seek God's face, we could change the seed. We can see revival. And we desperately need revival in God's house. Amen. All churches do. We need the breath of God, we need the fire of God to fall on us. And the only way that'll happen. We build fire on ourselves. And let God do what God does. Father, we thank you. Lord, take these words, these random words, thoughts. Use them to encourage someone here tonight. Someone on maybe. Use them, God, to help us to, if we have forsaken our relationship with you, to mend that relationship and come back to you realize, God, that you never left us, we left you. God bless these dear people. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving us. And God, thank you for keeping us safe. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen.